It's Wednesday, 12th of November 2014. This is HPR episode 1638 entitled, Surviving a Road Trip. Food. It is hosted by Windigo and is about 15 minutes long. Feedback can be sent to jacob at fragdev.com or by leaving a comment on this episode. The summary is, a few tricks about food and eating that can help you survive a road trip. This episode of HBR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Public Radio. This is Windigo again with my second installment in my uh, How to Survive a Road Trip series, I suppose. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but um, there's going to be three parts. So this is part two of three, and it's about food. Now you'll have to excuse me, I'm a little bit sniffly and stuffed up. So uh, I might sound a little bit strange or bassy or muted. So If you'd like to record a HPR episode about how to beat a cold, I would be much obliged. But anyways, getting right into it. As road trips are by definition a pretty decent length of time, you're going to need to sustain yourself on these road trips. Since you're out of your comfort zone and most likely not somewhere that you're familiar with, this can be challenging. But... This is one of my favorite parts of road trips. It's a great opportunity to stretch your money, and it is also a great opportunity to explore around and experience the area you are in in a very unique way. But first, let's start off with food that we bring, because buying your food on the road trip is an excellent way to spend far too much money. Convenience stores especially are terrible for this. They don't have your health in mind. Food that you get there is generally very salty or super sugary and rather expensive for what you get. In addition to that, stopping for snacks at convenience stores and other places add lots and lots of extra time to your trip. You'd be surprised how each little stop adds up to maybe an hour or two each day even. So, one of the best things you can do is stop at the grocery store before you leave. Non-perishable snacks are usually pretty easy to get at your local grocers. Things like nuts and trail mix are usually very well associated with this kind of food. Um, And that's for a reason. These kind of snacks are full of protein and very good for you, full of fiber, um, and they're easy to snack on inside a vehicle. While you're in there, you might even want to pick up some fruit. Fruit will usually last for a couple days, and it's, um, again, pretty easy to eat in a vehicle. Most fruit isn't too terribly messy. 
Um, apples and grapes especially are very nice. Oranges, they get a little bit tricky with the peels. If you want to pre-peel your fruit, I guess that's an option, but they don't last as long. And I'm not really a big orange person anyways, so I usually leave those out. Now, they don't last quite as long as trail mix or other uh, non-perishable snacks, so you might want to be careful about how much you bring, unless you'd like to give it away as gifts. Another very important supply to have with you is water. Um, no matter what kind of area you're going to, if it's um, a desert kind of area, even more so, but water is very important to have along. We usually bring a gallon jug with us, and that way you can refill it at rest stops or your hotel or wherever you happen to stop. I really don't mind tap water myself, but if you're picky, um, there are water filters that you can bring along that are mostly designed for camping, but they'll filter just about any water source you can get. You could fill up a sink at a rest stop and filter it straight into extremely good drinkable water. These kind of devices are usually designed to pull water out of streams and things, so they will filter out most anything that you can find in a water source. Whatever you do, just make sure to keep yourself hydrated. Now, I often violate this rule because I don't like to make too many stops, and I have a terrible, terrible bladder. But, hydration is very important, and you can feel it if you're getting dehydrated. So, it adds a lot to your mood if you keep yourself properly hydrated and, you know, don't, don't go too hard on your body. If you have the option of bringing along a cooler, your options for food, that you bring along at least, are greatly increased. Things like cheese and sandwich meats should do just fine in a cooler. Even if, you know, you run out of ice halfway through the day, it's not going to get terribly, terribly warm in there. Speaking of ice, make sure to fill up when you leave, and if you're in a very warm, hot area, you might want to fill up in the afternoon if you can make a stop to gas up. Most convenience stores that have gas will usually have ice, so that's not terribly challenging. Also, if you're going to bring a cooler, you might as well make sure that your lodgings for the evening are going to have refrigeration, because you could technically keep them in the cooler, but that becomes a pretty big stretch. You'd have to fill it up in the night, and it's much easier if you can take everything out of your cooler and just put it in a refrigerator for the night. In addition to food that you bring along with you, stopping to eat, in my opinion, is extremely important. You can save all the money you want, but road trips aren't all about getting from point A to B. A great way to experience the area you're going through is to ingest a small part of it. So why not stop for dinner, or even lunch? It requires a little bit extra preparation. You need to add an hour or two to your travel time for a meal stop if you're going to make one. Uh, you don't want to be trying to rush through a meal just so you can get back on the road. That kind of ruins it for everybody. Now, I usually recommend that you pick either or, lunch or dinner. Um, and depending on your criteria one might make more sense to you. For instance, lunch might suit your timetable better if you're an early riser. 
Lunch may also be a better idea because they offer slightly less food on the lunch menu for a greatly reduced price. So if you're looking to stretch your money a little bit, that might be the way to go as well. In addition, it might be easier to get in and out for lunch. Maybe restaurants will be less crowded. Maybe the dinner scene is is crazy. That might be harder to find out in advance, but it's worth a try. Now, if you like dinner, as I do, this might be a better choice if you are a late riser and don't like getting up in the mornings, which is my case. Dinner menus also usually have more variety and are a little bit more expensive, but I I prefer the dinner experience, I think. Whatever you do, lunch or dinner, don't, don't go to a chain restaurant. Don't ever go to a chain restaurant, but especially if you're on a road trip. Local restaurants usually are found in the downtown areas, away from highways, but they are well worth the diversion. Different areas have vastly different cuisines, and trying new stuff is always fun. For instance, when I was on my road trip in 2013, I tried crawfish for the first time. Who knew? It it was very, very good. And uh, if I didn't stop in Lafayette to visit John Culp, I don't think I'd ever have that experience. So that was tons of fun. I would highly recommend that you find something on the menu that you don't recognize and order it. There's always a little bit of risk involved, especially if you're a picky eater, but try not to let that stop you. Uh, For instance, coconut soup was a very big surprise for myself in that it's not it's not sweet like most other coconut things it's coconut soup is very savory and smooth and milky and it's just really tasty so if you don't like normal coconut stuff maybe that'd be something you'd be interested in if you're able to stop at one of these restaurants make sure to be a nice person don't be that tourist and if you live anywhere near an area that tourists frequent, you know exactly what I mean. Tourists can be rude and obnoxious, and uh, if you're in an area on a road trip, odds are that your server has dealt with a lot of those kind of tourists. So don't be that guy. Just be, be nice, be patient, understand that they might have something else going on. This also benefits you in that your server, or waitstaff, or whatever you want to call it, they will be more likely to help you if you're not a jerk. And you're going to need that, because if you're ordering random stuff off the menu, you're going to want to ask questions as well. You can do your best to figure it out on your own, but don't be afraid to ask questions of who's, you know, taking your your food orders. If you have food-based allergies or dietary requirements, uh, these might not be accommodated in most areas, and this is where the questions come in very big. So if you're a vegetarian or vegan, or allergic to gluten, peanuts, or dairy, you're going to need to ask lots of questions about what's on the menu, and they might not know exactly what you're talking about. Not all the, the areas of this country, or this planet really, understand what a vegan is. Heck, My father's a vegetarian, and he said that he's gotten strange looks at that. If you do have these kind of restrictions, you might even want to do a little bit of research. 
you know where you're going to be going, you can kind of plot out when you're going to get there. So research a couple of the restaurants in the area. Give them calls ahead of time and see if they have vegan options or if they have gluten-free breads. I know that it's, it's kind of a bummer that people with dietary restrictions usually have to bring their own food or be prepared for that kind of thing, but it's possible that if you can make enough preparations, you might be able to enjoy a night out every once in a while. This can also save time, because if you're not prepared to find a restaurant with your specific requirements, you might have to stop at multiple restaurants in town, and you don't really know your way around, and that can add up time-wise as well. The most important part of food on a road trip is to just enjoy yourself. Road trips are usually very high-stress affairs because there's lots and lots of logistics and money involved. So take a meal break and try and let away some of that stress. Just blow off some steam. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your company. Take some time to look around and make this more of a trip and less on the road. Nobody really wants to stare at pavement all day. And especially the person driving doesn't always get a chance to sightsee. So maybe stopping for an hour or two and grabbing a bite to eat is the perfect way to give everybody a break and let people explore and enjoy the scenery. So I think that about sums it up. Uh, if you have any other recommendations or comments about eating or road trip activities in general, feel free to send me a message at podcast at fragdev.com or leave it in the comments on the Hacker Public Radio website or, even better, record your own addition to this episode. Put out a new episode with all your favorite ways to eat on a road trip. I would love to hear it myself, and I'm sure I'm not alone. So until then, this is Ben Windigo. Make sure to try the crawfish. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.